Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Six o'clock by hour clock here inside the plush, luxurious confines of the 104.5 The Zone Studios here in Music City. It is the Big Six only here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number tonight, as always, 615-737-1045. lot to get to tonight. Glad to have you with us. Glad to have you as a part of this movement. This is edition number 17 of the Big Six as we are now into the fifth week. And as we are officially into the fifth week, we've had a lot of people ask this question. If you follow me on Twitter, you already know this. If not, well, follow me on Twitter and you would already know this. But the Big Six is now officially available through Apple, through the podcast link. You can subscribe You can get that joint sent to you every weeknight. Anytime we have new content to share, I'll be doing some bonus stuff probably as well. If you want to keep listening on the website at 1045thezone.com slash big six, continue to do that. There is nothing going to change there. It will get you the show however you want it. However you want to consume this show, consume this show, and we're good. And by the way, if you go to 1045thezone.com slash big six blog, You'll get all my writing plus links to the shows. But if you want it as a podcast where it gets updated to you every day or any time that we add anything to it, then you can do that through Apple Podcasts. You can do do that through Downcast, through iCatcher, through whatever your podcast catcher of choice is. We're going to get it on Android and Stitcher and things like that here in the coming hours, coming days. So keep checking for updates if it is not in your service. Or actually, send me a DM at Jmart Zone and let me know where you want it and we will get it there. So we're going to make it available to you wherever you are, whether or not you're here in the Music City or whether you're not, you're listening to us somewhere else in the country. We thoroughly appreciate it and uh, I'm blessed to have you as a part of my audience. So we're going to have some fun tonight and we're also going to talk about the Titans tonight, maybe a little bit more than we have on other evenings. I will not waste your time. I do not waste your time. So let's go ahead and get rolling with this. Bill Barnwell, I told you that this was going to happen yesterday when we were talking about training camp and how Bill Barnwell had released an article yesterday about the six teams in the NFL that he believed were going to improve in 2018. And we went through that list, and three of those teams were the Jags, the Colts, and the Houston Texans. And a Titans fan tweeted Bill Barnwell and asked him who would be the teams that would decrease. 
have more losses this coming season, less wins than they did in 2017. And he basically told this Titans fan to skip that column, pretty much giving away what you would expect at that point. So the other teams in the list, yes, the Tennessee Titans are indeed on the list. The other five teams, the Minnesota Vikings, who were 13-3 and three a season ago, he's got them dropping about a, to somewhere around 11 wins. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Carolina Panthers, the Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, and then, yes, the Tennessee Titans. So tonight's list of six is going to be a little bit different because instead of six that correspond together, I'm going to give you three reasons why Bill Barnwell could be right that the Titans might lose more games than they did a season ago. And then I'm going to flip and give you the three reasons he could be wrong about the Tennessee Titans in this context. So let's get started. Rule number one. I'm number one. Joe Dirt bringing us in. Number one, if Mariota and this LaFleur offense isn't the fit, most fans think it could be. Now, I've heard people call the station here. I heard a few people on 3HL over the last few weeks call up and say something to the effect of, well, Colin Cowherd said this. Did you hear this? Six wins. Or, well, insert national media, Blowhard said this. Folks, please stop caring what these people are saying. I recall very vividly Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon on PTI burying the Predators two years ago and acting like they had just joined the NHL officially that week. He's, they've done that about the Titans in the pack, or in the past. The fact is, you listen to what Jim Wyatt says or what Paul Kaharski says or what Rex Road or somebody that actually focuses on this team has to say. You listen to Mike Keith. You listen to Rep Bryan. You listen to Jonathan Hutton. You listen to those voices because they actually pay attention. Colin Cowherd, and this should be no secret, and it's no slight to Cowherd, they don't know anything about the Titans. They're still going to fire out hot takes because that's what they do. They don't know anything about the Titans. They don't care about the Titans. They don't watch the Titans. They know about the Patriots, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Sealers, and they know big stories and big stars. Nobody on the national end commentating on the Titans, unless I'm overlooking somebody, has a clue one way or the other. It's all based on looking at numbers and stats and using that to try and come to a conclusion. They don't watch the team. They could be right, but they don't watch the team. They probably haven't since the Vince Young era in most cases. However, if Marcus is inaccurate on the gimme passes, which we saw a few examples of the bad side of that yesterday, day five training camp, if he proves to just be average at quarterback, if he's somewhere between 15 and 22 in the overall quarterback list in the NFL, then Barnwell's probably right. And that's even if Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis do pretty well. You just can't win in the NFL on the grand level without a great quarterback. You can win in the regular season, but it eventually is going to bite you when it counts. There's no question Bortles is not a stud. However, he did have a pretty good like four to six week stretch last year. He had great help in the running game, and he didn't just have a good defense. He had a dominant defense. How dominant? Listen to the stats that we end the show with in the coming days. We'll tell you just how dominant they were. The Titans' defense this season should be better. They look far crisper earlier in camp, but to call them dominant is a stretch. Now, Barnwell also points out that the Titans' receivers had the second lowest drop rate in the league and that Mariota's yards per attempt dropped by a full half yard. That doesn't sound big, but it is. His point overall there is that Marcus regressed badly last year 
And the question is still to be answered as to how much of it was Mariota and how much of it was the scheme that he played in and whether or not this one is going to suit him a lot better. Number two. If the defense struggles to create turnovers like they did throughout large swaths of last season, or if the offense doesn't protect the ball. Now, you're rolling your eyes because that's going to be true of just about every team in the league. If you give it away but don't take it away to balance it out, you're going to have trouble. Last year, the Titans ranked 23rd in the NFL during the regular season in give and take. 12 interceptions and 9 fumble recoveries for the defense. And if you take Kevin Byard out of that, yikes. 17 interceptions thrown by the Titans and 8 fumbles. They were a minus 4 in that category. 21-25. That has to be cleaned up and they know it. Watching at camp or if you're reading what's being reported, it does indicate the secondary is really starting to give the offense fits. That's hopefully going to sharpen both units. Iron sharpens iron. Logan Ryan got to get back on that turnover track that he's done in the past. Last year, didn't get that done. I expect that he will. Others are going to have to join him. Now, you look at a division where you have a very good Houston defense. You have an arguably elite Jacksonville defense. Tennessee cannot afford a subpar give-and-take ratio this season and expect nine wins and to make Bill Barnwell eat his words. It's actually secret option number three. If Mike Vrabel and this new staff deal with the growing pains of a rookie head coach, and that's very possible, folks. Now, he is detail-oriented. He seems to be organized. It's a far different approach, less laid back, but not crazy, but less laid back than Malarkey brought here. But we've never seen this guy on a sideline yet in charge of making the extra decisions he's never had to make in the past, and that's the key. Time management could be a concern. There are veteran head coaches that still can't do it. Andy Reid, that's a walking joke. Any number of other operational choices maybe come his way. So Mike goes from being able to really specialize and keep an eye on a part of what's happening to now basically needing to be in control mentally of everything that's happening. That can be a tough transition. And in a division where the potential is awfully high for all three of the other teams, it's going to be the little things that might matter the absolute most. He is assuredly, this is not speculation, this will be a fact. He is assuredly going to make his share of mistakes. And he's going to likely learn from them, but that's part of the gig. That's part of the job. There will be problems. There are going to be moments where the knee-jerk reaction will lead people to call this radio station the day after Titans games and ask, what the heck is this guy doing? But barring some kind of stunning failure or just classic ineptitude, this ain't a one-year proposition. Now remember... Bill Barnwell is writing about who is likely to win fewer games in 2018. And it's very possible, if you want to say, okay, he could be right, that with all the new surrounding this team and personnel, and especially on the sidelines, it might take a little while for it to gel. And there have been many occasions in the NFL, folks, where it never has. So those are your three reasons why Bill Barnwell could be right in his own list of six the six teams that he expects might not win as many games this coming season as they won last year. The Titans in that list. Now, on the other side, I will go the opposite direction and give you three reasons why Bill Barnwell might be wrong. How many games do you think the Tennessee Titans are going to win? Do you agree with Barnwell 
Or are you angry with Barnwell and think he's making no sense? 615-737-1045 if you have Titans thoughts. I know we have one on the line. I think it's Evan in Nashville, so we'll get him after the break. You can join him or you can tweet me at jmartzone. Coming up next, why Bill Barnwell might be wrong. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Hope your Tuesday is winding down well. Hope it started well. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. If you want to join us live tonight, not a surf, Killian's Red, if you're looking for that tune. And you should be. Whole album's really good. So, Bill Barnwell, we kind of discussed yesterday, we knew that this was coming. He put out his list of six teams. He thinks they're going to win more games this coming year than they did last year. And three teams from the AFC South made that list. The Tennessee Titans did not. They made the list that came out today, which is the six teams he believes are going to lose more games than they did last season. So the nine and seven Titans, he believes are going to win seven games, I believe it was. And so in the first segment, if you missed it, first of all, you can now, you can do it through multiple ways. You can go to 1045zone.com slash big six, and you can listen to every show individually as you'd like, or officially today, you can go through Apple and soon through any other podcast service, but you can basically get it through any podcast catcher now, whatever yours is, whatever app it is that you like to use. Search Big Six with Jason Martin. You find it. You subscribe. It will update and deliver the show to you every single night. If we do bonus content, all of that content will go there immediately as well. So we encourage you to do that. And if you do, please leave a leave a review. You know, Leave a star rating. That stuff absolutely does matter. And we appreciate all the support that we've gotten so far. So we did the three reasons why Bill Barnwell could be right in that first segment. If Mariota struggles in this new LaFleur offense, if the defense can't turn the ball over and the offense continues to turn it over, and if we see the growing pains of a new head coach where it takes a long time to gel, all of those things could absolutely happen. Now we're going to do the back half of the list of six tonight, which is going to be the three reasons why Bill Barnwell might be wrong. But before we do that, Evan in Nashville waited through the break, and we'll get to him first. Evan, what's up? What's going on, Jay Mark? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, too. I, I love your show. Listen to you uh, at six in the evening, so I love the show. Up. Uh, I think Bill Barnwell, I think he's an uh, idiot. I think, he's, I think he's wrong. I think the Titans are going to win more games this year. And I'm just going to take the train. Uh, I've been reading articles and stuff, and I think the Titans were really excited uh, getting to the Super Bowl, year, getting to the Super Bowl this year because it's in Atlanta. You know, we were in Atlanta '99, so what better way could uh, uh, happen this year than us getting to the Super Bowl uh, back where we started '99? And uh, also, uh, I want to get your thoughts. Too. How do you think uh, the uh, offense is going to do this year with Mario and the receivers he's got? And, uh, when should uh, Rashard Matthews uh, uh, be back? And uh, I'll get your thoughts. All right. All right, Evan, I got to let you go. You're calling me from underwater or in outer space somewhere, but I wanted to try and and get that last point in for you. All right, so we're going to move on, and we're going to do the list of why Bill Barnwell might be wrong because it will actually, one of the things that you just asked me about, I will go into right now. Victim number four. Without repeating and reversing 
what we already said to explain how Barnwell might be right. Let's talk about how he could be wrong. We talked about Mariota, so let's talk about the receivers. That's what Evan just asked about. Corey Davis is impressing everybody so far. And even Mike Vrabel raved about Taewon Taylor after day five yesterday at St. Thomas Sports Park. You got Delaney paid and healthy and happy. He's been one of, if not the best free agent pickup in the history of the franchise. Jonu Smith is coming, and he might already be here, folks. We saw real flashes last year. We should see plenty more this year. And then... A real interesting pickup in Deion Lewis. That's a sneaky, intriguing acquisition during this offseason. That is a guy that flat out knows how to catch it. Between the hash marks and the flats, screen game, all of that stuff. He comes from a system where everybody can do that. Whether or not it's him, whether or not it's Danny Woodhead, whether or not back in the day it was Kevin Falk. If Marcus can hit him when he's out there and maximize that, he becomes a terrific weapon. Now, as to Brashard Matthews, he's banged up right now. We don't exactly know all of the specifics around it. I don't like foggy injuries, but I'm assuming they continue to say it's minor. I'm assuming we'll see him soon or relatively soon, and he's been really reliable, especially as a name that no one nationally talks about. Again, back to that point. They don't know who Brashard Matthews is. They don't take him seriously. They can look at his stats, but that's about it. But that dude's made some big plays, and he's really bailed out the rest of those wide receivers over the last few years. The NFL, without question, is now a passing league. We know this. So Mariota, of course, has to be the guy. But if this wide receiver group is ready to step up and show all their talent, you know, 10 wins might not be out of the question. Number five. How about the depth at linebacker? It does stink to lose an Avery Williamson. But John Robinson gets Harold Landry at 41 in the draft. That could be a steal. He's gotten plenty of first-team reps, especially with Arakpo dealing with the shoulder issue. Now, that unit has enough strength that it became even easier to tell Kevin Dodd to hit the old dusty trail last week. Arakpo, Rashawn Evans, hopefully nothing really to worry about in terms of health and they'll both be back on the field in short order. As a group, provided health, which is the case for literally every group on literally every team and literally every sport in the universe, these linebackers should be, or most definitely can be, a force. Two rookies that have impressed the coaches in Evans and Landry. Neither's been flawless. Vrabel said yesterday, Landry has done some good, he's done some bad, but he likes what he's seeing. Evans has had a few growing experiences as well. But both those guys are getting high marks in a lot of the categories you want to see, most notably effort. So if you include the entire back end, not just the linebackers, the addition of Malcolm Butler, who there's at least a little bit of Delaney Walker in him, don't you think? Just in terms of the want to. It's not really that he's necessarily out to prove anything. There's just something about him that reminds me of the positive qualities of Delaney Walker when it comes to the way he wants to compete. So you add that guy to an increasingly experienced set of corners and safeties, and then you got a force to be reckoned with across the back end for Dean Pease and the Titans defense. And I didn't even mention Jayon Brown, who's at an outstanding camp, and Will Compton, who assuredly will play and will contribute for this team this year. So the depth at linebacker, strong. Again, strong enough that losing Kevin Dodd meant absolutely nothing. The chances he was going to make one of those four spots at all, those top four spots, was almost nil. 
even with all his talent, because of the depth that they've brought in at that position. Number five is alive. So, actually, this is number six, but we don't have a six. Because the big six is the final one, and this is one that kind of encompasses everything, and then I will get to Lee's call. So hang on, buddy. The AFC South, regardless of what Bill Barnwell wrote yesterday about those three teams all improving, except for the Titans, the AFC South does not have three 10-win teams in it. They could all win 10 games, but the sheer fact is they're not all going to be good because probability and just common sense says that this division is going to grind itself into bits when you get to these rivalry matchups. The winner is going to come down to to who wins the six games in division that each of this quartet's going to have to play. And then the overall win-loss totals are then going to add in whatever else is done outside of it. Now, that's the case everywhere. This is common sense. But especially, it seems, in the AFC South this season because there's so much uncertainty and there's so much potential. Look, if Andrew Luck isn't right, Colts are toast. If he gets hurt again, they're done. That roster's not very good. Andrew Luck is really good. If Bortles can't at least be what he was last year, that defense can't do it all every single week. Recall what happened in Seattle once the Seahawks couldn't score in the 20s anymore. If it wasn't for Russell Wilson's heroics, that's probably like a four or five win football team. And then there's Houston. Deshaun Watson, leg injury at Clemson. Leg injury in the NFL very early for the Texans. And the league got a decent look at him last year. If they have him figured out, that's a problem. I think he's special. I don't know that you can figure him out. I believe in Deshaun Watson. I thought he should have gone number one overall after winning the national championship game. You've got a pretty good defense to great defense in Houston. You've got an arguably elite defense in Jacksonville. It's going to be tough. Recall that the Rams got into the playoffs with a 7-9 and nine record. Barnwell is focused, as I've repeated a couple of times, on the six teams he thinks are going to take a step back in win totals this season. The Titans have to win at least nine to be out of that conversation. They might not win nine games, but they could still make the playoffs. One team might win ten here, but nine might win the division. We just we don't know enough yet. I will say this. I believe that the two wild cards this year out of the AFC, one will come from the South and the other will come from the West. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. It ain't going to be the Denver Broncos coming out of the West. I don't think, I don't know what the Raiders are going to look like. I think Gruden's overrated, but I also like Derek Carr, and I like a lot of what the Raiders do. But if I had to pick it now, I think that the Chargers and the Chiefs are still probably the two teams I like. If Patrick Mahomes is good at all, look out in Kansas City because they are absolutely loaded, and Mahomes has a gun. He has got a rifle attached to his shoulder blade. So we'll see. But I would say either the Chiefs or the Chargers win the division and the other one gets the wild card. And then in the South, who knows? But I think it'll be two teams coming out of those divisions. So Barnwell could be right. And Barnwell could be wrong. We don't know yet. Lee in Nashville, before we go to break. Lee, what's up? Hey, I was wanting to know uh, what kind of season do you believe uh, Henry's going to have this year, and will he be a factor? Well, I mean, he's going to be a factor. There's, there's no question about that. Obviously, he's a beast. I think Deion Lewis changes the game a little bit. He's going to be a very good target, especially as a receiver. 
He is a change of pace back to be sure. Derrick Henry has a knack for falling forward, finding a way to get an extra yard or two because of his strength, because of his size, making him more the bell cow, even though we have seen not a whole lot of running backs that have gotten the kind of carries that they used to get. There used to be a lot of running backs in the league that would average 25 touches per week. But guess what? It's only happened three times since 2007. Two of those players played in Tennessee. 2009, Chris Johnson had 408 carries, was never the same after. 2014, DeMarco Murray most ever 449 during that stretch in that year. And of course, it probably shortened his career, even though he did have one good year after that. And then 2017, last year, Le'Veon Bell had 406. This is something that was a lot more commonplace, but 25 touches per week for a running back is basically a dead option. So I don't know how many touches you want Derrick Henry to get, but we've moved to running back by committee in almost every case. And usually the most prolific offenses are good at that, whether it's the Saints with Ingram and obviously Kamara or whether or not it's the Falcons with Freeman and Coleman, or, and I'm very curious to see what the Vikings look like with Murray and a healthy Dalvin Cook. There are other examples in the league as well. I think the tandem of them together, of Lewis and Henry, is going to be more interesting. But to, but Henry's absolutely going to be a factor. No question about that. Also a factor, the big six. We continue right after this on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Little Ryan Adams, Prisoner B-Side. Halo. For you here on a Tuesday, I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. If you want to join in the fun, talked a lot of Titans in the first half of the show. I urge you, if you missed any of that, subscribe to the podcast. Go to Apple. You can go through whatever your podcast service is. Search for the Big Six with Jason Martin. Subscribe. Get all of our shows from day one, the full archive is available. We also included the Ring of Honor Punishment Martinez interview that I was a part of with the Wake Up Zone a couple of Fridays ago. If you happen to miss that, we had some people that uh, were interested in hearing that as well. So we laid out three reasons Bill Barnwell might be right that the Titans won't be 9-7 and seven this year. Instead, they'll be worse. And then three reasons why you might be wrong. And we'll continue, of course, to talk about win totals and things like that as we approach the season. But Bill Barnwell was not delusional. Someone that sounded a little bit more delusional, certainly, than Bill Barnwell. Let's hear from our good buddy, the newest Los Angeles Laker. Well, I guess he's not the newest because since he got there, they brought in a rogues gallery, basically a bunch of Dick Tracy villains when it comes to characters in the NBA. But let's hear from LeBron James. I, and I've definitely thought long and hard about the possibilities of, of line up uh, alongside Ben and, and Embiid, or line up beside uh, you know, Harden and, and Chris. Um, you know, I just I felt like at this point in my career, the the ultimate for me, um, you know, just like when I went to Miami, everyone kind of looks at me joining uh, a super team. But if people look at, yeah, I think Miami was thirty five right. forty seven. No, they weren't. You know, the year before I joined that team. And you can guys you can look at the Lakers, you know, a record from. So I like the challenge. I like the challenge of being able to um, 
help a team get to some places that they haven't been in, a, in quite a while. Um, you know, and obviously the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in a few years, but the Lakers organization and the historical franchise matches up there with all the greats. You know, you can look at you know the Cowboys, and you can look at the uh, the Patriots. You can look at Man- Manchester United, Boston Celtics. These are like historical franchises, and um, for me to be a part of that, it's just um, you know, I think it, it's, it's a great moment for not only me, but for my family and for the, you know, the history of, of basketball in general. It is a little bit obnoxious to hear that him joining the Lakers is a great moment for the history of basketball in general. Like it might be, but you can't give yourself a nickname. Like you can't go that far by giving yourself a self accolade. Yes, let other people say it. Don't be the one to say that. But that's not why he's delusional. First of all, and yes, you heard me during that cut. I wanted you to hear me during that cut when he's talking to Rachel Nichols and he's like, just think about it. This is just like when I joined the Miami Heat. First off, no. Dwayne Wade was already there. There was nobody even close to Dwayne Wade's talent level in Los Angeles that you just joined. Also, Chris Bosh joined you, not whatever you're going to get from Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo, all of that crew. There are quite a few differences, but what you heard me decry during that audio cut was that he said, I mean, just like when I went to Miami in uh, in 2010. I mean, I think they were 35 and 47. And Rachel Nichols is like, right, right. No, both of you. They were 47 and 35 the year before he got there. Not 35 and 47 like the Lakers are now. He was trying to say it was the same thing as when I joined them. They had both won 35 games. That's what we call false. That's what we call getting that wrong. And let's say they were 47 and 35. There are people that are trying to make the argument that the Lakers are contenders for the NBA championship this year. They are, I think, an eight to one underdog in terms of the odds. I mean, eight to one is to me insane. Are they going to make the playoffs? I think you could take bets on that. LeBron James should get them into the playoffs, but let's say he does get them a 47 and 35 record to match where the Miami Heat started when he arrived there in 2010. You know what 47 and 35 would have gotten you last year in the Western Conference? Last year. It would have gotten you a tie for eighth with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were, you guessed it, 47 and 35. Teams that did not make the playoffs last year outside of the Lakers. The Nuggets, they're going to be better. The Clippers, definitely going to be better. And the Nuggets, by the way, were 46 and 36. The Clippers won 42 games with a bad roster, and they've made some nice moves. The Kings are still the Kings. The Mavericks are going to be better. The Grizzlies, we'll see. The Suns are definitely going to be better. And if you look up top, Rockets are still going to be good. Warriors are still the Warriors. Portland, despite what Kevin Durant thinks, are still a pretty solid basketball team. Oklahoma City won 48 games with Carmelo Anthony. I think they're better off without him. That's addition by subtraction. Donovan Mitchell's an absolute star, and I like Utah's makeup a lot. I think they might win more than 50 games this year. The Pelicans, we know what Anthony Davis is capable of doing. The Spurs are the Spurs, and they've got maybe a DeMar DeRozan that's out to prove something. And then there's the Timberwolves. 47-35 and gets you a tie for last and the Lakers were 35 and 47 last year. He's delusional because he keeps trying to make this argument that joining the Lakers is very similar to what he jo- what he did when he joined the Miami Heat. It is not 
unless you just say that it's similar because I went from Cleveland to another team. That is literally the only thing that those two moves have in common. They're not even... That first one was all in the Eastern Conference. He changed conferences as well here. Everything about this is completely different than we saw before that. So that made me roll my eyes. Even though congratulations to LeBron on that school. Like, there's nothing negative to say about that. That's a fantastic deal. Really good, smart. Uh, it's obviously smart for his brand, but it's a wonderful thing in general. Not Just because it's good for your brand doesn't mean it's not good for society and not something that should be applauded. So congratulations on that. But you going to the Lakers is not you going to a super team in Miami or forming a super team in Miami. The other thing that made me roll my eyes was Terrell Owens coming out and telling TMZ that, guess what? The reason why he's not going to go to the Hall of Fame, he finally dropped this revelation that none of us knew was coming. According to NFL.com, basically, it seems that the decision came down to disrespect. You don't say. Owens didn't like the way the media portrayed him during his career, and he didn't like the fact that voters made him wait three years to be inducted. You don't say. Owens also added he would have attended the ceremony if he had been inducted on the first ballot back in 2016. You don't say. Had I been inducted initially, then yeah. Then the second time came around and it didn't happen. When the first ballot induction didn't happen, Owens began to believe voters were considering other factors and not just his play on the field. You don't say. In terms of the criteria, the bylaws, and what it takes for a guy to get in, when it came to me, other things came into play, and for me... That doesn't bode well for me, Owens said. You don't say. I could have just called the last two minutes of the Big Six tonight on Tuesday, July 31st, 2018. Duh. We know why Terrell Owens wasn't going to the Hall of Fame. One, because it's always going to be about two. It's always going to be about T.O. It's always going to be about Terrell or Terrell or whatever you want to mispronounce his name and continue to call him. It was always going to be about that. He's going to have his own little speech and his own deal, and they're going to mail him the Hall of Fame jacket, and the Hall of Fame has said, look, we are going to mention him, and he is front and center as part of the presentation. We are still wanting him to be here. Terrell Owens doesn't want to be there because he's Terrell Owens. Duh. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss. I'm about to unload on one of the worst ideas in recorded history. That's next, and that's what we call a professional tease, ladies and gentlemen. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Mike Keith here. segment of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, Nashville Zone, Wild Feathers. Off their brand new album, No Man's Land. By the way, that new album is awesome. Admittedly, I love their first record. I did not really get into their second one. I like the guys and love that Ryman show they did. And I know they listened to the station a lot, but that second one just didn't hit it for me. But this one is fantastic. Better than the first one, as a matter of fact. So check out the Wild Feathers. This is the best work I think that they have ever done. Had one person saying that I misinterpreted what LeBron was saying. That let's see what Joshua says. He was comparing the two teams in that neither was a contender, and he wanted that challenge of helping to turn them into one just like Miami. 
He also said that just like Miami, they're 35 and 47, when indeed they were 47 and 35. And he continually pointed out over and over, this is not a rebuilding year in Los Angeles, that he's not wasting a year of his prime. So respectfully disagree. And I don't hate LeBron. You say, but hear what you want so you can make up a story as LeBron hates sells. I don't hate LeBron at all, as a matter of fact. I'm privileged to get to watch one of the two best basketball players of all time, and I'm not going to tell you one and one A. You can make that decision for yourself. That's not an argument that I want to get into. I like LeBron James. I love watching him play basketball. I just thought he was a little bit off base with what he said. But, hey, agree to disagree. Debate's good. Follow me at Zone, and we can debate and still walk away friends or walk away with a handshake afterwards. Appreciate the involvement there. So I went to see Mission Impossible Fallout last Thursday night, as you know. I wrote about it for the Big Six blog in review form. That's 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. It's great. You should see it. Not the blog, the movie. The blog's pretty good. But the film is truly fantastic. But I wanted to use this peculiar service that I bought into earlier this year just after the Super Bowl to do it. Because thanks to this wonderful thing called Movie Pass, my tickets are free for the next year. Wait, what? Now, the Big Six asks, why is this a thing? I know I'm supposed to talk, but I want to hear Annie Lennox. All right. Let me get this straight. Movie pass. I pay you 10 bucks a month, or in my case, I pay you 100 bucks for 12 months. And I can see a movie every day for a year with no charge. You're picking up the cost of that ticket every time I go. I get a 10 to $12 movie ticket 365 days a year if I have no life or if I want it, and you're picking up the tab. Sign me up. As a matter of fact, you did sign me up shortly after the Super Bowl. Wait a second. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, though. I got one question, Mr. Movie Pass. How in the world is this possible? Do you have bottomless pockets, or is there some kind of arrangement, or is every single thing we've ever been taught about mathematics incorrect? Is Aristotle wrong? Is Pythagoras wrong? Are they all wrong? Are they all just total rubes? Are they archaic thinkers? All that time that I spent hating my life trying to execute successful proofs in geometry or having to show my work in calculus, none of that matters now because I can go see 365 movies in one year for 100 bucks with no exclusions. I am absolutely thrilled. My future children, by the way, they will be as well. Math is horrible. But you're still like not answering my question, though. You just dropped your head. You're sighing at me now. Is everything all right? Oh, wait, it's not. Because as it turns out, math is still real. Numbers are also still real. And courtesy of Movie Pass, we also know the worst business plans in recorded history. Yes, they are also still real also. I don't know how this was ever supposed to work. The business plan was simple. You can go see a movie, any movie, once a day, every day for a year, and they'll pick up the tab. 
They were literally just paying for your movie ticket because you had the service, like it was Netflix or something like that. And they were losing somewhere on average of around $5 every time any one of their subscribers actually bought a ticket. So Thursday night when I went to see Mission Impossible Fallout, I got to the theater and went through the check-in procedure and tried to check in, and it said, there's an issue right now with the ticketing system. You can use e-ticketing, which I don't even know what that is. So I finally gave up and went and saw the film elsewhere. And if you read my review, you know, a fight broke out in the theater I was in, like two rows behind me. It was a six-on-six brawl. I almost had my knee broken because the person in the seat, like three next to me on the right side, ran out of the theater in fear and just kind of corrupted my right knee trying to get past me to get out of there. So my movie pass didn't work. And I knew that this didn't feel like a technical issue, but they continually tried to say it was a technical issue, but it absolutely was not. And now they've come out and say, yeah, we were kind of doing something else. They had to borrow $5 million to pay off what they already had. They also performed what's called a one to two fifty reverse split of the company's stock, jolting the stock to $22 and 50 cents. We're now at under 80 cents and it's about to be delisted by NASDAQ. Now they've said there's something called surge pricing, which is if you're going at the wrong times, if there's a lot of people trying to go at the same time to these bigger name movies, you might have to pay about a $4 fee. Okay, so now you're paying $4 a ticket on top of the service. Also, big name movies can't really go see those anymore. They actually sent an email out. The two biggest films that are coming out over the next three weeks are not going to be available via movie pass. And the same thing is true still of Mission Impossible. The price is also going from $9.99 to $14.95. And here's the deal, folks. Give up the ghost on this movie pass. All they're trying to do is make it very, very not as fun to go see movies on the service so that they don't have to take money out of the pocket while they're trying to shut the company down. So I ask you yet again, why was movie pass ever a thing? All right. We want to make you smarter, and I probably just made you smarter. If you have movie pass, probably cancel it. I made you smarter. Like I said, if you have movie pass right now, probably cancel it unless you're on like the annual plan like I am. This is an incredible stat. How great is Jerry Rice? Jerry Rice, after the age of 38, had 4,453 receiving yards. To give you some context on just how amazing that is, that is nearly double what every other receiver or anyone who's caught passes in the NFL after the age of 38 has ever done. 44-53 for Rice and everybody else, barely half that. Jerry Rice, unbelievable football player. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. Good night. Michael Zemuller next.